You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, and spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Hi, friends, and welcome back to (laughs) Therapy Thursday. Today, I'm joined again by my beautiful mental health counselor, friend, and Christian counselor, Dr. Lydia Martinez. Welcome, Dr. Lydia. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. I'm so glad. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm grateful for today's talk. I think it needs to be aired out. What do you think? I think so, too. That's that's a great analogy. Today, Mm -hmm. if you are a person alive and breathing, then this podcast is for you. Because today we're going to talk about working through conflict with others in relationships, in all kinds of relationships. And we're going to talk about some healthy healthy decisions and healthy choices that we can make in order to move us in the right direction. And Dr. Lydia, I don't know anybody, not one single person, that has not been in some kind of conflict with someone that they love. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I I also want to say that conflict is good. There's a good side of it. That may seem so strange, but conflict is kind of like our nerve endings. I'm going to explain to you why I'm comparing the two. If you were to put your hand on the proverbial stove, right? You'd burn yourself. If we didn't have a nerve nervous system that was so intricate, designed by God to protect us, that's where we 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 end and something else begins. Pain is a way of warning us. Danger, Will Robinson. Don't go this this far, right? Don't go in this area. So conflict is sort of the same way, sort of the same thing. If we are finding that we are having pain or we don't feel good, then what's happening is something inside of us is being stimulated in a negative way. We're being told, we're being some other part of us, the common sense part of us is probably being stimulated and saying, "Uh oh, danger, Will Robinson. This, this doesn't, this does not resonate. This is not aligning. This isn't genuine. This is not feeling good. And, and then we, the problem is the way that we react. What do you think, Lisa? I think this is a perfect addition to our communication 101, because if we only focus on the positive things we can do, then we're not dealing with the root of the issues and the root of the problems. And I agree with you hundred percent. I think, you know, when, when we harden our heart, and we have things that bother us and we suppress them, push them down, pretend like they're not there, that becomes a wound in our heart. And you might think you can bind it up and and heal it, but you can't do it alone. We need God's help. We need healthy communication, which is our whole topic. And there has to be a way to resolve the conflict. And sometimes I'll just say, and I'd love to hear you talk about this before we dive into what we can do. You get to a part of a relationship where the conflict has come to a dead end, where there's no longer two people trying to work at resolving a conflict, where you've said everything you can say, you've prayed all you can pray, and it's it's a harmful, toxic environment that you have to decide, how. what do I do here? I think this is such an important thing. Have you taken all the necessary steps? Because sometimes you think, I've done everything I can do because I spoke my truth. But have you yeah. taken the necessary steps to be humble, to extend grace and mercy, to see is there any part of this relationship that can be repaired? And is this a relationship that honors God? When I hear that, I think to myself, welcome to the human race. And nobody is perfect. 
And I think that our expectations, when they are not being met, or we are finding ourselves in a place of uh, fear or pain, I think we have to stop and think, kind of get our sifter out. You know what a sifter is? When you make a cake, this is the best way I can explain it. When you make a cake, sometimes you have to sift the flour, especially when it's not like a, a cake from a from a box and they'll tell you to sift the flour and why because it may seem like a waste of time because you're like oh, look it's just flour going into a little tiny filter coming out in a, a nice little pile of flour again but what are you doing you're aerating it you're you're sifting to take out any possible impurities you're making sure that only the best of the best goes into this cake okay it depends on how how big of of holes are in the filter for you to be able to catch as many impurities as as possible and that's what we have to do we have to develop a, a filter a filter not the kind of filter that you think i'm thinking of it's not the kind of filter that says oh i'm not going to say something or hurt somebody's feeling it's the kind of filter that you say, what's going to go into my heart? What am I going to allow to penetrate and take up space in my heart? You got to filter that stuff because if you carry everything around with you, oh, that is just so heavy, burdensome. So you have to find a way that if you're communicating with other people, if you're getting finding yourself getting hurt, if you're finding yourself in fear or anger, then, you know, you really have to do check your heart and check your heart to see what's taking up, what's renting space in your heart that you need to let go and cleanse and repent and go to God and try to filter that out and try to dump it out so that when you're coming into relationships, new or old, that you have a clean heart as clean as possible, because we are only human. And I'm not talking about, I, I mean, I am talking about trauma on some level. And if it's that deep and dark, then you need to get professional help. If it's not that deep and dark, then you may have a good support system around you, or you can take care of it just yourself. But I think it's really important. And one of the things we were going to talk about is a single mistake or a pattern, right? right? Or a, a series of mistakes or a pattern. You want to explain a little bit more? Yeah, I think we all make mistakes. And I would love to say that I only make mistakes one time. And that's it. I learn my lesson and I move on. And sometimes I do. However, in the Bible, it tells us that our flesh, it says, I don't do the things I ought to do. And I do the things I shouldn't do. What does that mean for us as believers? It means I can make a mistake. But when I make a mistake, I take responsibility for my mistake. I pray about it. I seek restoration with that person that I've harmed or hurt. And I confess it. I say the truth, what I did, what's wrong. The difference is when it's a pattern, when it's an accepted behavior, something that I find acceptable, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to justify my actions because I believe that what I'm doing isn't wrong. And so if you're in a relationship with somebody who's continually and habitually doing something that is harming you, and they refuse to take responsibility for it, they refuse to recognize the damage that they're causing, that is an unhealthy pattern that that person, and guess what? If you're listening today, I have shocking news for you. You cannot cause that person to recognize what they're doing, to repent for what they're doing, or to change from what they're doing. That is a, a job between God and that person. And I think that's so important to recognize. 
you can't change that person. So if you see an unhealthy pattern that's harmful, if you see an unhealthy pattern that's harmful and it's a habit, it's, it continues to happen. And I just was reading today from, I think it's Lisa Turkis that she says it's the, the cons how often they do it and the level they do it at. If there's somebody that's doing something all the time and it's hurtful to you, then God is, that's something you need to take to God and really pray for wisdom and understanding on how to deal with it. Yeah, he gave us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And we can pray to the Holy Spirit. We can ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, help us recognize what our role is in all of this. And I know that in the book of James, when we pray for wisdom, God is so generous. God just scoops out with wisdom. And if we ask for a double scoop, he'll give it to us. He wants us to make good decisions. You know, he's a good father. And yeah. I, do, I do think it's important for us to recognize patterns. He also gave us common sense. Okay. And I think that, you know, that, that common sense, that feeling that you get in your heart or your body where you're like, mm, this, this isn't right. I have to tell you the nine times out of 10, you're, you're probably correct. Yeah. However, I think that you shouldn't act just on, on that intuition I think you, it's important to slow things down, double check, make sure that it isn't just something of your own trauma, that it isn't just something out of your own past haunting you, kind of masking itself like it's your uh, intuition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. In Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, and a lawyer asked Jesus, which is the greatest of all of these commandments in the law? And Jesus said to them that the greatest commandment was for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And then he says, and the second one is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And on these commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. So we're told in the Bible to love God first. Our relationship mm -hmm. with God has to be first. And then to love others. So if we haven't received that love from God, that unconditional foundational love, it's impossible to give it to others. So what does that mean in relation to what you were saying? Let's say it's me and I'm the one with the problem. How can I extend love to somebody else if I'm not receiving it from God and my heart is not whole? I am going to take everything personal. I am going to be easily wounded and damaged and so does that mean if I recognize that there's somebody harming me, maybe it's a lie. I recognize that there's a pattern in somebody's life that they're, they're just not honest. They're constantly lying to me. Well, I have to love God enough and be connected enough to God to first of all recognize this person has a problem with lying, right? Because there's two sides of the coin you were saying. I can either justify it. Well, maybe it's just me. You know, I was always, it's not a big deal. It's just a white lie. And this is just part of our relationship. Or I can love God and myself enough to know this is not healthy. This is not an honest person. This is not somebody that, that I can have an open, honest relationship with because they're not an honest person, because they're not willing to recognize I'm struggling through this. I'm trying to be honest, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of rejection, whatever the problem might be. I think you bring up some really good points. And what we had talked about to prepare for this is we had come, you had come up, actually Lisa put this together, which I think was phenomenal. And it says here, 
attack the problem, not the people. Right? Right. And when you're attacking the problem instead of the people, you even wrote here, fight for the relationship. Don't fight the person. Right. Yeah. And going back to the person, let's say, who's saying lies to you constantly. I can either fight them and say, you're a liar and I don't trust you. and Or I can sit down and say, you have this habit that I've recognized of not being honest with me. And I want to see why you don't trust me enough to be honest with me. I want to see what it is in your heart that you think I need to hear something that's not true. Or what is your goal out of this? Like we're not building a deep relationship if I can't trust you rather than name calling, pointing fingers and bringing up every time they ever lied. So. Let me, let me ask you this. How close do you need to be? How much confidence do you need to have with someone to be able to say that? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, I think the closer the person is to you, obviously, because if my neighbor lies to me, I don't need to have that conversation with them. Right. If it's somebody that I never see and they just said, the mailman hasn't come yet and I know the mailman just passed, okay. Thanks. And I can just walk away. But if it's somebody that I talk to every day that somehow I trust, because I do think that it's easy to trust people who are not honest. We Mm -hmm. can be tricked and we fall in love and we love our, you know, even our children and our family members. And we might have somebody in our lives that consistently cannot be honest. Those are the people that I want to try to fight for that relationship. So the the closer the person is to you, the more valuable the relationship is, the more likely and more confidence you may have to be able to attack the problem, not the person. Right, exactly. Or even give it the time of day. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that's something we can all learn from. Because let me tell you, with the stress and problems and pain and suffering in this world, when you see somebody doing something dumb to you, Mm -hmm. it's easy to bite, bite back. It's easy to attack. Instead of just saying, you know what? I need to have my quiet time with the Lord today and let it go. Because Mm -hmm. what is my goal? To shame the person? To change the person? Or just, if it just, a lot of the things you can just let go and walk away. But I think it's also important that you take those conflicts to God even if you're not going to address it with a person, you have to talk to God about it. And if you don't know how to do that, write God a letter. Sit down and write him a letter and tell him, this is what I'm going through. This is what I feel. This is why it bothers me. Help me to let it go and forgive that person and heal. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Journaling always helps. And well, some way of being able to process things and getting it out of your head so that you're not allowing yourself to fall to faulty, faulty logic. I think it's always good to bounce it off of a good friend or journal it so that you can read it back to yourself and, and get that process out. I think that's important. So how about responding in love and not reacting in anger or defensiveness? Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is pray to God and be intentional and ask yourself, what is my goal in responding to this conflict? Is my goal to bring a resolution to it or is it to defend myself? And I think if we're honest, most of our conflicts 
Well, let's just say, let's not say we, let's say me. Most of the conflicts <laughs> in my life, I just want to defend myself and make sure I get my point across. Yeah. Because I'm always and, on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, for the sake of the relationship and moving forward and having a God honoring relationship, I think we have to be intentional about it and say, okay, there's a pain here. There's a conflict here. There's a wound here in order to heal it, in order to seek to repent for anything that I've done and restore and resolve the conflict. I have to be able to let go of my agenda and really seek God's agenda, which is extending grace and mercy, being loving and kind and restoring gently the person, either when you have sinned against them or the person that has sinned against you. So I want to just highlight the reactions of anger and defensiveness. I've said it before, but I want to remind you that when you're feeling angry or defensive, that's a secondary reaction. Because if you're angry, there's something that happened before that just to jumpstart you into anger. Right. When you're defensive, that means that something happened to jumpstart you into defensiveness. So if you're feeling those feelings, couple things. First of all, recognize those feelings and realize that anything that you do out of those feelings, you're going to give birth to some consequences, maybe some unwanted consequences. Right. So the first thing to do is, is diffuse that anger or defensiveness so that if you are going to come and talk to someone um, and you want to either confront or you want to clarify, or you just want to uh, get some answers. Don't do it out of anger. Don't do it out of defensiveness. Process all of that first. So yes, recognize that first. The other thing too is um, if you're noticing a pattern in yourself that you're getting defensive, you're getting angry, angry at the same thing over and over again, that's also worth looking into. Right. You know, I mean, that might be something that is in your heart that you are allowing to, again, take up rent in your heart, take up some space in there that shouldn't be there. Um, it's really important that you, that, that recognition and then prevention, not to do anything out of anger and not to do anything out of defensiveness, because then you don't want to, this is what happens. You react out of anger and, or defensiveness. And what happens? You, you create a whole nother problem. And then you, can, you can't go back to the root. You can't go back and say, well, this is what caused me to say that, or this is what caused me to do that. You, you have to slow things down. You have to recognize what got you angry, not talk out of anger, and then you deal with the problem. Anger is a very, very, um, it, can, it can have two sides of the same so of the same, you think of it this way, not two sides of the same coin, two sides of a sword. Okay. Right. Mm. Anger can cut in such a way to help you. You know, sometimes we need to use anger to, def to defend ourselves, to get out of a bad situation in the middle of, of a, of a, of an attack. Okay. But, um, the other side of it, it cuts and unintentionally hurts. Yeah. I think so we, I was just going to say, we just can't be waving that sword around 
Right. Because you're going to, how do you yeah, decipher well between? Yes, exactly. You're going to add more wounds and then you can never go back to the reason. It will never justify the reason why you did all of that. Does that make and sense? I remember also that one of the fruit of the spirits is self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So when we, I have a few more to read. So hold on, let me find it. Da, 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 da. So when we're dealing with a conflict and you're becoming defensive, you can feel it. How about just take a moment, take a deep breath, sit back. You can always say something after, but you cannot take it back. Mm -hmm. So in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says that no temptation has overtaken us except which is common to mankind. And God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he provides a way out so that you can endure it. That way out for a lot of us is zip it. That's right. Don't respond. Like I said, you can add to the conversation after if you feel like you needed to revisit. But immediately when you feel yourself coming de becoming defensive, that your shoulders are coming together, that your neck is getting tight, that you know, your heart rate is going up, that's the moment to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Grant me peace in this situation. Calm yourself down. Seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. And I would say, be slow to answer, quick to listen, slow to anger, abounding in love. Because that's a combination right. we're never going to regret. Mm -hmm. And then you can always ask for time. I need a little time. I need a little time to think about this and exit yourself from the situation, even if it is 15 minutes. I, I, on another podcast, I told you about Gottman and his conversation yes. um, experiment that he did. And he, I'm going to repeat it real quick. He had these couples and they were arguing. He would purposely get them and probe them to argue. I don't know about how he did this. You can look up the research on that part. But he would purposely get them to argue. And then he would say, oh, in the middle of the argument, you know what? My sound system isn't working. Can you just pause in this? I'm so sorry, but can you stop arguing for a little bit? You could read a couple of magazines while I'm trying to get the sound system to work. And then he would wait 15, 20 minutes. There was nothing wrong with the sound system, by the way. And then the 15, 20 minutes would pass and he would say, oh, okay, it's working now. So go ahead, resume. And they would always come back and they've had 15, 20 minutes to think. Calm down, right? Mm -hmm. And they would talk differently. Every single one of them. There was not one, one couple that came back stronger. There's not one couple that came back at the same level. They actually had time to defuse. Wow. Well, 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26 says this. And I think if you're married, if you're in a relationship, if you have family members or you have friends, so basically everyone, we should write this on a card and put it in front of where you brush your teeth every morning and read it because I think this would avoid a lot of conflicts. It says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels and the Lord, the Lord's and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth 
that they may come to their senses and escape the snares of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. What? Yeah, that's a tall order. And I have to tell you that what that says to me says spiritual maturity. Yes. Okay. I don't think that someone who's 18 will react the same way as someone who's 28 or 38 or 58 or 68. I mean, I'm hoping that time has been a factor in their maturity. Okay. Because, you know, I'm hoping. You're hoping because I know some 60 and 70 year olds who do <laughs> the same unhealthy patterns that they've been doing for 60 or 70 years. Yeah. However, you're right. You're right. I yeah. have to tell you that sometimes I, sometimes I'll look at someone who's 60 or 70 years old and I think, wow, the wisdom they must have. And then they open their mouth and I go, Oh no, what? You're just a very young, immature person in a very old body. Yes. Wow. It's Did life sad. not teach you anything? Right. You know, like it makes me sad for them. Well, you have an opportunity. Every time you make a mistake, you can learn. Yeah. I, and I tell my kids this all the time. I tell my kids, you know, when, when they're in baseball or whatever their sport is, fencing or whatever, and they go and they make a mistake and I say, don't, don't be hard on yourself. You know what? You look at the situation. What can you learn for the next time? Use it as an opportunity. And it's the same thing in our relationships. If you fail or the other person failed, use it as an opportunity to learn. How can you do better for the next time with the same person? Or how can you do better for the next time with the next person? You know, and you have to develop a lot of wisdom and discernment discernment is a another word that i have to define discernment in in the way that i define it the way that i've learned it is knowing the difference knowing the difference that will make the difference does that sound like a riddle no i get it (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like discernment says it comes from god it comes from the holy spirit to teach you how to make good decisions right that common sense just general old common sense and hopefully you're you're adding those experiences up so as you age you're having better relationships and don't be so you know don't be so hard on yourself that just goes out to everyone don't be so hard on yourself you know we all make mistakes we we all make mistakes and part of the human race and if you're 60 years old and you're thinking i might be doing the same patterns i did 50 years ago and I don't want to do that anymore, then I have good news for you because how do we have spiritual maturity? It's not the spiritual, spiritually mature people that have spiritual maturity. It is the people that have drank the milk of the word, right? The Bible says that it's pure milk that newborns desire. And then we move on to the meat, which is the, the, the deep things of God. It comes from reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, and spending time in a Bible teaching church. It is something available to all of us who are willing to seek God, to respond to his invitation to seek him, who will open the Bible. Second Peter 3 says that we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it also says in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. That means when we surrender to Jesus, when we surrender to Jesus, he begins a work and he's going to continue that work. And how do we participate in? We surrender to the sanctification process, which just means growing to God. 
Wow, Lisa, that was amazing. I love that. I think that we um, surrender is very important. So I'm going to surrender the prayer to you now. Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that you are a God that works through conflict, that you break down boundaries, you break down hard places and walls in our life that hold us back from being the person that you have created us to be. I thank you for Dr. Lydia, her gifts. I thank you for her talents. I thank you for the occupation you've called her to. And I thank you that she gets to join us every week and we can learn from her. Lord, teach us teach us as your children and help to grow us and mature us that we might live a life that honors and glorifies you. And Lord, if there's somebody listening today who's in the middle of a conflict and doesn't know how to get out of the conflict or doesn't know how to work through it, I pray that you would teach them. You are a teacher and guide them and fill them with your spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And if you are the person listening today and you're in the middle of a conflict and you know either that you should be working on it, through it, or leaving it, then I want to let you know that there's help available. Dr. Lydia has a practice here locally in Miami, but sees people on WebMed, what is it called, on virtually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through, throughout the through country. all of Florida, through all of Florida. Okay. So she treats people throughout Florida. She has an entire team of talented, gifted people who can help you. And I'm going to put the information in the notes, but can you just give them an email that they could reach out to you if they need help today? Info at drlydiamartinez.com. Info at drlydiamartinez.com. That's D-R-L-I-D-I-A martinez.com. Or you can call me 786-565-6916. Wonderful. Thank you. So you know that there is help available. We have God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible. You also have Dr. Lydia Martinez, but if you're in a place and you don't know even how to make the next step, DM us on faithwithfriends underscore podcast, because we will pray for you and get you connected in the right place and get you the help that you need. We are here for you. We are all friends in faith. So thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?